0: two zero two four cff i can't wait to see you there welcome to biz help for you with host candy messer entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture like profitability success and a smooth running organization Seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the topic of our last episode. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links can be found on our YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as multiple favorite podcast platforms. If you'd like to receive notifications on when our podcasts have been uploaded, please like and subscribe. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Rick Gerard is the founder and CEO of Stride Search, Inc., an engaged search firm. He's extremely passionate about helping startup founders win the strongest hires to fuel unprecedented company growth. Rick's career has kept him laser focused on building tech startups in the highly competitive Silicon Valley. Over his career, he has helped build more than 200 startups teams that have successfully exited value and impact are two main ingredients brought to every interaction above and beyond just locating the strongest people contrarian in his approach rick has flipped the script on engagement and the hiring process to bring a massive competitive advantage to every interaction rick is the author of healing career wounds invented and systematized the hiring operating system And the solution for leaders to win the strongest hires by blowing up best practices with a humanistic, evidence-driven, unbiased, and time-efficient experience. When not running a school for gifted mutants as Professor X, Rick hosts the Higher Power radio show and podcast, a weekly series on LinkedIn Live which serves as a business leader's resource to solve their most difficult hiring challenges he competes in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and has an affinity for any adrenaline pumping activities such as surfing snowboarding rock climbing and running with scissors so Rick welcome to the show
1: hey thanks for having me candy I'm glad to have you it's here uh- <laughs> I haven't heard that bio in a while I'm like oh yeah <laughs> I for- I forgot the professor X thing because that's, that's something funny. my my employees joke around about they're like when are you gonna be in that wheelchair <laughs> oh, hilarious.
0: <laughs> so, well, before I get into questions I have for you really on this topic, which I think is very timely considering everything that's been going on, but I would love for you to tell me just a little bit more about yourself and how did you get involved in teaching about hiring practices?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I've been in executive search for a very, very long time. And a lot of it came from my frustration and the realization that we don't, as in general, like as business leaders, we don't know how to interview people. Like mm-hmm. I've had so many interactions with people where like the the criteria by which we actually make a hire is well, at the end of the day, if I want to have a beer with a person, I'll hire them. Mm-hmm. Like and and that just didn't make any sense to me. So, you know, a whole like hair time ago, back when I when I had a full head of hair, <laughs> and I probably still would have had it if I would have figured out this problem much sooner. But yeah, I I just, it was something that always bothered me and it was something that's never been fixed by anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I just set out on a mission to figure out how to tip the scale to where like we could train people how to interview effectively so they can hire the strongest people Mm -hmm. so that you have a win-win situation for both the person that's hired and the company. People are in a place that they thrive. They have retention. They have all these great things that happen as a result of it. And the company succeeds. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what's gotten me to where I am today.
0: Well, it's so true because I have said, you know, to people many times in the past too, that you can go to college or a lot of times people are entrepreneurs and haven't even attended college, but never have learned different things. Like a lot of people haven't learned, you know, my field in finance and bookkeeping. A lot of people don't know, like you're saying about interviewing, there's so much that you need to run a business that you often yeah. aren't trained on. So that's why I thought it was so important to have this podcast and interview experts to share tips and tricks. And so I'm yeah. so glad we're talking about this today. Well, I want to start off with two. We know right now there's a lot going on with hiring. There's generally more positions available now than there are people available to fill them. You know, So there is kind of a shortage of the talent. So we want to, first of all, be able to even attract a talent. And if yeah. we are interviewing someone who is interested in our position, you know, what are the things that we should really be asking in this interview process to know if the person applying is really an ideal candidate for that position.
1: You know, that's kind of an impossible question to answer unless you know <laughs> your core values. Mm-hmm. And and years ago, pre-COVID, I actually spoke to a room of like 600 executives, and and I opened up the question, "How many of you had had formal interview training other than like what not to say?" And I mm-hmm. had three people in the room that had raised their hand, and mm. so. So again, that, that, that's one of those things that set me off in the journey. But then I realized that really there's no North Star by which we're evaluating people by. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I learned through one of my experiences where I interviewed at Amazon was they evaluated people and put more weight on people aligning with the values of the company first mm-hmm. and then the skills second. Right. And, right. you know, as a result, you can see like their trajectory. You can you can understand that they've they've been doing something very, very right. Mm hmm. And so taking a page from that, if you don't know your core values, sit down and write them down and and put language around them to where people understand how to make decisions based on those values. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is it empowers people to make the right decisions first off, but it also attracts people who align with those values. So few companies do that. They just hire because they need a butt in the seat. Mm -hmm. and. What ends up happening is, you know, they go through that same cycle of hiring. Oh, this person didn't work out. We had to get rid of them 90 days later. It's if you're going through that cycle, that's your fault. 100%. Right. So, and and it doesn't take that much time to sit down and do it with your team and come up with your values. And then you build your interview questions around those values to extract Mm -hmm. data to to gather evidence to support whether or not somebody even aligns with your values. First, they align, then, then you've got a pretty good chance that that's going to be somebody who's going to resonate well with the organization and, and thrive in it.
0: Right. Well, it's so true because skills can be taught. Right. And so if you can find that right person, who's a great culture fit with your company, you know, and there are times where it's almost like an emergency hire, like I have to have someone right now. And so obviously people do look for skill, but, Ideally, if you can make sure that you're bringing someone in in enough time to get them developed, you know, and being able to do the position overall, obviously that's ideal, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. if you have an emergency position, that's called a contractor, just bring somebody in who's done it, who mm-hmm. can kind of do the work. And there's there's plenty of opportunity for that. But if it's somebody that you need to grow with the organization, you've got to provide them a roadmap for them to be number one successful. But also for their own personal and professional growth, Mm -hmm. because that's what keeps people engaged in your company. Right.
0: Well, and sometimes that is hard as small business owners. Like we're looking at, well, we have like three positions in the business, you know, how much is there really to do? But even in my own company, I've tried to bring people in like at the lower level getting them some basic skills, and then having additional positions available, you know, to move up into over time. And so there is a way to kind of figure that out. But sometimes as a smaller company, it's a little bit more difficult to have a career growth plan, you know, than like a big corporate event. So what would you tell somebody, maybe that is a smaller business, I want to have opportunities for growth, what should I be doing that will incentivize them to want to join my team and be able to have that opportunity?
1: I mean, that definitely has to be tied to the vision of the company, right? Because I mean, if you're just looking to run a, a small like mom and pop shop and you're not going to experience any growth, then then be OK with the fact that you're going to hire somebody, train them up and they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe help them to exit in such a way where they bring somebody in and they train them up so that you don't have the, oh, gosh, I'm going to be gone in two weeks sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. you know, help them to exit. Be Be a really good mentor for them. Mm -hmm. Other than that, like if you don't have a vision of where you're going and you're just kind of putting out fires all day long, you really need to take a step back and look at your business and say, hey, look at, am I getting what I need out of the business? You're probably not running like any sort of like business operating system or anything that's helping you lead the company. You're just kind of going from fire to fire and you need to get a handle on that first. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So if someone is listening to this and they're saying, okay, I understand the concept. I have my core values now, and I know I need to be asking questions about that. How do I craft the right type of question to ask? Because I found a template online that just says, what are your strengths and weaknesses, right? Or or things like that. So how could they craft Hmm. some questions that will help them determine if this person they're talking to is giving them, first of all, an honest answer. And number two, even if they are, that they might be. Perfect for that position?
1: Yeah. So, first off, like the common questions are very dangerous because what I found is that people who interview a lot are very good at answering those questions, getting past those filters. And, you know, I found that there's a lot of really good people who don't interview a lot. They don't have a lot of practice. Mm -hmm. And so they botch them up. So, you end up passing sometimes on really good people because they didn't interview up to your kind of standards, right? Mm -hmm. And interviewing in itself is a very stressful kind of event where like no, nobody i've never met like people that go oh i love going to interviews right. it's just it's it's not anything anybody wants to do it's kind of like you have to do it it's like getting up and brushing your teeth i mean mm. some people love it i don't know but so you need to develop questions like i said around your core values and the way you do that are behavioral questions and so behavioral questions are walk me through a time when x right so we have one like walk me through a time somebody asked you to lie, right? Mm-hmm. We've all been asked to lie at some point in our life, right? But somebody will kind of start to tell you a story and open up, like, okay, so oh, there's this one time this situation happened. And then it's your job to extract more data and dig underneath the hood because people can claim things all day long. Mm-hmm. I did this and this happened. But when you get into the details, that's when either like people shine or the wheels come off the bus. Mm-hmm. And I find that really high performers, when they get into the details, they know exactly how they did something. You know, they can tell you the sequence of events, the problems that came up, who they brought in to help solve the problems. And you get you can put together this really complete data set of accomplishment, right, mm-hmm. or, or something that aligns with what you've done. Where a lot of people don't like behavioral interview questions is that it does bring to the surface the imposters, like the people who claim that they did something. Mm -hmm. And when you get into details, they either get mad or they get frustrated or they they start making stuff up. Right. And 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 that's what you need to find in an interview. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. the purpose of the interview is to get to the truth of who a person is. Right. And I feel like people have gotten people who interview a lot have gotten really good at kind of getting past those filters.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Well, I know, too
0: we are supposed to be asking, you know, pretty much the same questions across the board, right? So there is yes. no discrimination or anything. So someone might be thinking too, like, okay, well I'll ask this basic question and someone will answer. And then it leads me into some additional questions that may not be the same. So is that a problem or is it okay if I started with the same question, but then depending on how they answered, I asked different questions.
1: So what we do is we actually start with the main question and we provide sub questions Mm -hmm. and it's designed again, like, so somebody might start telling you a scenario. Okay. Tell me more. How did that Mm -hmm. work? Walk me through exactly how you did that. Give me the step-by-step. What problems did you encounter? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's all under that same premise of we want to gather all the Intel for that one question Mm -hmm. where it gets dangerous. It doesn't happen too often, but like when, when somebody mentions like something personal, and then they go, "Okay, well, tell me about that," and people jump to those things. Mm-hmm. That's where interviewers get themselves in trouble, because it's not really relevant to the right. to whether or not somebody's going to align with the, the organization. Like whether or not somebody has a family, or mm-hmm. you know, like all those all those no no questions. None of that's. <laughs> I mean, it, it's true. None of it's relevant. So just what well, we steer clear of it. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody right. might mention something, but that's okay. You want to keep on task for the questions that you need to gather uh, intelligence for. Right. Um, when we do interviewing, we only provide every interviewer gets four questions
0: mm-hmm.
1: and 45 minutes, and they only need to get through three. So if you're getting a lot of really good data points and you're getting really complete story, it becomes very evident of whether or not somebody aligns with the organization. If you're mm-hmm. not, then it's a pretty clear and easy pass.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and that's good because you're not hiring somebody into the organization that's gonna, that's gonna struggle. Right, so that
0: brings up the point too, and some people may not realize there are certain things that you absolutely should not ask. So I would love for you to touch on some of those things, like steer away from these questions 100% of the time to make yeah. sure that you're not seen as like asking discriminatory questions or anything like that too. So can you touch on that?
1: Well, I mean, I, I believe I'm a firm believer that you should avoid asking common questions that everybody likes say are best practices. You mm-hmm. know, where do you want to be in five years? Why would you want to work here? Walk me through your resume. Like questions that are designed to keep people in their comfort zones. And it mm-hmm. doesn't really gather any data that that's relevant to the to the organization or the role or the company. Of course, you can't ask about sexual or you know, activity, like any of those kind of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I, the most common one that I see is that, you know, people might try to bond with somebody because they'll mention their family and they go, Oh, look, tell me about your kids. And then that right. it's time to do that. Like later on, like when you hire them, you know, mm-hmm. you can bond that way. But during the interview process, it can be held against you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, right. Joe asked me about my family and I don't think they hired me because he thought that I might not be able to put as much time in. Cause I said, I like spending time with my family. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Right. And anything regarding like age, you know, not trying to find out, you know, somebody's age or even I've heard to even mentioning a comment like, oh, you know, I grew up in that neighborhood, right? You shouldn't really be talking about neighborhoods or any of that. Or even in many states now, you can't ask questions about, you know, have you ever been arrested for a crime? Sometimes you have to wait yeah. until you're willing to offer a position to find out if there is any conflict, like if someone's had a DUI and you're hiring for a truck driver, then that's a reasonable question, right? So that's one thing I would want to make sure people are listening, realize there are some very specific questions to stay away from as well.
1: Yeah. In California with that one specifically, that can be, that can't be divulged or like asked about until the offer is out Mm -hmm. and then they go through like a background check or something to that effect. So you can't make the decision based on that. And then mm-hmm. and and then you have to have i guess cause for you know like you mentioned if you're a truck driver and you've got 4 DUIs that's probably that's too much of a li- liability and that gives probable cause for, like that gives you and again I'm not an attorney so I right I just know that there's a lot of things that you can say to get you in trouble like but but if you focus in on just staying narrow on like specific questions that are behavioral in nature Mm-hmm. none of it can really get you in trouble right
0: exactly well that's yeah. why I wanted to touch on it though too because a lot of people again don't know the rules of what you can or can't ask and so yes you want to learn about the candidate but like you said if you're asking these specific questions behavioral questions that would relate also to the position that you're hiring for then you're probably going to be okay so yeah
1: well mm-hmm. where it gets dangerous too is I think we want to we want to find commonality with people mm-hmm. and and that's that gives us comfort. And again, that, that's, that's where it gets us into trouble. Our job as an interviewer is to listen. It's to mm-hmm. ask a question and listen and go deeper and listen because we need to get to the truth of who this person is and how they operate. Do they right. operate the same way all of us in the organization operate? If they don't, then great, that's fine. You know, let's find that out quickly. It's great that you have our skills that we need, but let's move on to the next person. And Mm -hmm. let's help you find something that would be more in alignment with a company that operates the way you do. Right.
0: So do you have like a checklist or certain things like, okay, the candidate kind of checks these boxes. Like, obviously you want to make sure the core values match, which is why you're asking these type of questions. But let's say there's multiple people who have done a great job answering those. It seems like they're both going to be a great fit. Is there other things to be looking at? Like, what would you say in terms of making sure they're hiring successfully?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because people use scorecards a lot, but I I find that scorecards are subjective. It's kind of, well, I'll rate this person a four out of five because I feel like this, right? I I feel like with behavioral interviews, you get really clear data where it becomes either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Mm -hmm. And if somebody aligns with, what it is your organization is, if they're positioned well for your company, they tell you that they want to work at a company just like yours, it's a thumbs up. If they tell you, you know, I'm a small business and they're telling me, hey, look, like in my ideal utopian world, I would like to work for a company that's, you know, Amazon, where I can get great benefits and make $300,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That's not you. Right. And so you just have to be honest with yourself In and... and Fight that need to sell them uh because they're they're you're you're just going to be a pit stop mm-hmm. until they get to Amazon or some other big company where they can kind of feel like they've they've made it right right mm-hmm. so there are people that are builders that inspire to be in a small company and create and build things, and then there's people who like to just kind of go into an existing organization and and kind of be part of the team mm-hmm. and right, that's what you right. need to understand like very quickly
0: hmm So what about like even references, right? So now we kind of need to double check some information, right? Ask prior employers or things like that too. So are there specific questions like that, that you would recommend if you're following up with someone verifying, you know, past employment or, you know, a personal yeah. reference, what would you recommend?
1: Well, I mean, I always recommend talking to the hiring managers that they worked with. If people can't provide hiring managers names, that's a red flag, but you know, if if you're getting Joe, who's one of their friends, to provide a reference, it's kind of a useless reference because they're going to say right. nice things about him because they want to help their friend get a job. Right? Even coworkers, kind of same scenario.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: the only the only references that really matter are former um, former managers or employers. And and again, you know, there, there's also this kind of like where people talk to people who have worked with this person, maybe at XYZ company that are called backdoor references. They aren't necessarily provided by that person. Those happen. I don't know if they're necessarily legal or not, but those that happens. It's a real thing where, Oh, I know somebody who worked with this person over at XYZ. Maybe I'll give them a call and see what they have to say. Right. If you have those types of references, those provide a very honest response you know you mm-hmm. want to be you want to be pretty sure of of who you have in front of you again is going to align with the organization but like if they made it through your interview process and you've done a really good job of extracting that data i almost feel like you know references are just kind of a maybe a comfort piece mm-hmm. right so if
0: there are any other tips maybe that you have that i didn't think to ask like what would you tell someone who's listening now regarding this whole hiring process
1: Yeah. You know what? So first off, like, you know, have have core values and then build a process and then take your process and put it out there. Let Mm -hmm. everybody know what your process is. You know, if you're having trouble hiring people and I I come across and I I'm part of EO and I talk to a lot of leaders pretty, pretty frequently. And a lot of them are like, hey, I've got roles I can't fill. And I have them tell me about it. And what's interesting is they they just need to put butts in seats. And really nobody wants to just be a butt in a seat. They want to have mm-hmm. some sort of purpose today. I think that was one of the things that COVID did for a lot of people is that they started thinking, hey, look at I don't have to go into the office. Maybe I can start thinking about doing something more with my life rather than, you know, what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And and so that kind of accelerated people's thinking to where purpose is far more important than the paycheck. Right. And so you need to, you need to kind of start thinking about the fact that that's really what's more important to most people. If you're Mm -hmm. leading with the transaction, then you're going to get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. And if you can't pay a whole lot, then don't expect much. Right. But if you're leading with purpose and a mission and values and things that really matter to people, then you're not going to have a hard time hiring and you're not going to have the attrition rates that a lot of companies have because, because that's a big missing piece of of the puzzle. Mm-hmm.
0: Perfect. Well, I know this has been a great start to the conversation, but I know we'll be coming to the end of the time. So I want to ask if you have an offer that you would like to share with our listeners and how they can connect with you.
1: Yeah, sure. So we just launched a platform called InterTrue. It's I-N-T-E-R-T-R-U dot A-I. And we actually built it for small businesses so that they can actually run their whole interview process from start to finish. So if anybody's interested, if, if they're having challenges in hiring and want to build a core values-based company, then I, I'm happy to you know, sign up. I'm happy to have a conversation with you. I can walk you through what our methodology is. You can also pick up my book, which is Healing Career Wounds. And that has a methodology basically completely mapped out to where it's got scripts and everything else. And all you have to do is just plug that into your business.
0: Nice. That sounds great.
1: Yeah. So how can they reach you? You can reach me at rick at intertrue, I-N-T-E-R-T-R-U dot A-I. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, uh, I'm pretty active on there as well.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Rick, for being a guest on my show and talking about this topic. Like I said, I think it's very timely and I wanted to have this conversation. So I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Candy. Mm-hmm.
0: It was great. And to the listener, thank you for tuning in today. I hope that you found this topic interesting and it answered some of your questions about the structured behavioral interview is the key to winning talent today. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Rick at any of the links that he shared or send us a message at media at abandp.com. I hope you can join us for our next episode. And please remember, you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. Remember, you can also find the podcast posted on multiple favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, TuneIn, Google, Stitcher iHeartRadio and Spotify. And would you please share our show with those you know and leave a review on your favorite platform? I'd really appreciate your support. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you for listening to Biz Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again
1: next time. Have a terrific day.